Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple. My special guest joining me on the show today is Carl Yeh. He's a senior marketing manager at Benevity. Carl, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Sam. It's uh, awesome. I'll, you know what? I've been listening to your show, I don't know, the past like year. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like it's you've had some amazing guests. So, so yeah, very privileged to just be on your show. That's awesome to hear, man. Um, have definitely had some heavy hitters. Uh, but quite truthfully, this is going to be one of my favorite topics to talk about. This is something that's really near and dear to me that I, it inspires me to talk about this. So I'm excited to get into today's topic. Um, with that being said, I have a fly flying around me. I heard it in the mic, but, um, to kick it off, are you a Coke or a Pepsi guy? If you had to choose, um, probably a Coke guy just because of the mm -hmm. taste, I don't know what it is, but I find the taste of Coke much better than the taste of Pepsi. Not that I dislike Pepsi. I, I like Pepsi too, but if I had to choose, I will go with a Coke. There you go. Okay. Heard it live here on the show. Um, well, with that being said, wow, this fly is really annoying. I've never had that on the show. There's just, it got, it's cold here now in upstate yeah. New York and apparently all the bugs want to come inside. So here it's we are. Body heat. So we'll <laughs> just got to deal with it, I guess. Um, Cool. So the topic today is really like B2B versus B2C, not really versus, but what can we pull from the B2C world and how you've done that working in both. Um, so I'm really interested to talk, uh, jump into this. My first question for you is, why do you disagree with the belief that B2, in B2B, you can't be creative with your marketing? Well, I want to preface that question, I guess, with um, a little bit of where I came from, because I was in B2B, then I went to B2C, then back to B2B. And it's really interesting because like I started B2B around 2012, 2011, and it was, you know, the old, the, the, the playbook performance-based was you get your content, get the leads and, you know, work those leads and, 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 you know, run them through an SDR motion, AE motion, um, and then eventually lead nurture them to sale. And the creativity part was, I guess, the content, but most of the content was some sort of PDF or ebook or something like that, right? And sure, there could be webinars, but that, that was kind of like a special thing. It was more of like, here's a bunch of things that you could read. We want to gate that and, and go for there. I was like, okay. Um, and it worked really well. Um, then I went to B2C and we, there was no PDF. There was no gating. There was no nothing like our whole focus is to get, because I worked in the home building industry. So every single weekend we had some sort of event, every single time we need people to not only visit the website, but we need people to actually show up somewhere. And so how can you get people to show up, go people to register, but also there's so many choices and everyone's trying to one up each other with the type of marketing and everything goes. It isn't just digital. It's traditional. It's bill. It's whatever it is to get a lot of it's to get attention. So people, you know, when they're ready to buy their house or, you know, when companies are ready to 
buy land to sell their homes, you know, they want, they want to be there. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was a little different. So, but then when I went back to the B2B world, it's, this was what, five, six years later, it's the exact same thing. Like we're still putting out PDFs and I was like, you mean you don't do anything else? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and even the company I work for, like the, the go-to is the default is, Hey, we got to put a PDF together and we got to get this content. And that was mm-hmm. like the initial go-to or write a blog. So, but people today are different than 10 years ago. And on top of that too, you're still marketing to people. You're not marketing to like a faceless entity. You're marketing to people who have the same joys, same emotions as people in B2C. Like they're all they respond to very similar things. And what I learned from the home building industry was that, yeah, there's so many choices. Yeah. Price would be one, but like, yeah, you really want to appeal to the motion. Why do people want to live in this community? And you've got to show that. Why do people want to, um, you know, live here, move here, bring their kids here, grow up here for the next X amount of years. But if you take kind of those emotions and principles over to B2B, and the moment we started doing some of those things um, at Benevity, you could tell the, the connection that you were getting because essentially my always thing is like, hey, if we can market to people and how we can get people connected to people, that's the one thing I learned. I learned in B2C is like, what is that emotional connection? What is that personal connection that you can do with your marketing? It's so much more powerful than just the benefit statement or some sort of value content that you want them to download. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a hundred percent in your camp when it comes to this, but for people that are listening, what are some of the benefits of deviating from a traditional marketing formula in the B2B space? You said you came to Benevity and they're still running gated PDFs to cadence someone through an email nurture campaign. And I think a lot of companies are still in that. Like what are the benefits of getting out of that? So I think, you know, you and me, we, we listened to, to Chris Walker and, you know, like we, when I first, when I came back, I was like, this, this can't be right. This can't be right. That we're still doing the exact same thing that nothing has changed. Like from when I started, it's impossible. So I'm like, who are the people that, you know, are pressing or leading change and, you know, people like him, Dave Gerhardt, right. Like, um, and then, so when you think about like the traditional way of, you know, you, you gate the content or you, you collect people, collect leads, and then you nurture them through. Well, like, well, people are searching for things differently and they connect with people like back to the whole connection. People are, it's easier for people to connect with each other. Like the last time I bought, like, for example, we just were, we're working our way through a digital asset management um, like, uh, we're about to purchase one mm-hmm. and how we got those demos. We didn't see one gated piece. We weren't lead nurtured. We didn't see an email. Essentially what I did was, Hey, what did I use in the past? All right, let's get a demo from them. I sent a note to rev genius. I sent a note in, in revenue collective or pavilion. Then I mm-hmm. sent a note to this WhatsApp marketing accelerator group got three different recommendations, had a couple conversations. They hooked me up with the, the, the account people in those. I did a 
versus or and review Google search. And I booked the demos. That was it. I actually only mm -hmm. visited one website. So that's how people buy connecting with each other because it's easier to connect with each other. So why are we still using the old way when people are buying differently? Mm -hmm. You know, what's interesting is you basically dissected your own buying habits. And I do the same thing when it comes to, well, how would I go about buying this product or how did I discover this podcast? And then you reverse engineer exactly what that process was. And nine times out of 10, your buyers are going to be the same way. So why would we do something that we wouldn't even click on or download or find interesting ourselves? And yes, there are some nuances, but I, I see people do this all the time. They, they put this content on LinkedIn that is extremely um, self-driven. It's, it's PR for them. And like, you wouldn't engage with that content. Um, one of the best things I did was to go back to the podcast. I was like, I, I love Chris Walker's podcast as well. And I thought to myself, how is it that I discovered this podcast? It wasn't because he was posting, Hey, go listen to my podcast. He was putting out great content on LinkedIn. I discovered his podcast. I listened to it and I actually didn't like it. it really wasn't for me at first, but I continued to see his content on LinkedIn was like, you know, a couple months later, I said to myself, maybe I should check this out again. It looks interesting. And now it's probably my most listened to podcast. And if you reverse engineer what you do as a consumer as, or as a buyer, a lot of times other people are going to be the same way, right? Exactly. Now, you, if you want to do, if you want to do a simple um, example, like if you want to share the screen, what we can do is we can just, we can scroll through like my LinkedIn, your LinkedIn feed. We'll just scroll yeah. through. We'll find the first downloadable piece of content. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Let and then what we'll right do here. is we'll literally like press that button and be like, learn more, you know, whatever it is. They'll make you download the, the, the ebook. Most likely it's some sort of guide or ebook, right? Mm -hmm. And then even if it's a simple, you don't even need to put your information, right? It autofills for you. But think about it. You get either taken to a page that's a PDF or you have to download the PDF. Now, think about the, just the act of that. Okay, so you want me to read a PDF on my desktop and we're on desktop today. But if we were most likely... You access LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube on your phone. So now you have a PDF that you're on the phone and you're, you've opened the social browser, not Safari, not Chrome, but their browser. So now you have to like, okay, to save this PDF, I have to now go into Safari yeah. or Chrome. Then I have, to I have to know how to save it. Then I have to remember to save it. And then I have to remember to read it and mm -hmm. pinch to zoom is the worst. Like, why would you ever read this? <laughs> so I have to remember to read this on that's too, that's way too A many lot of steps. steps. So, and then no wonder when somebody calls me, Hey, you download this book. What book? I don't remember this book that you, mm -hmm. you said I downloaded. I can't remember this. And, and it's weird that that is the go-to, but people still think that way. It's because, but then they're not creating content for consumption. They're not creating content for people to consume whatever they want to, you know, they're putting into that document or providing value. They're creating content to get emails. So what's the, like, if you're just going to go and get emails, everyone has access to Zoom info, just mm -hmm. get the emails there. What, what's the point of providing this thing?
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned before that one of the first ways that you kind of sparked your inspiration or your creativity was listening to marketers that are kind of like thought leaders in the space. You mentioned Chris Walker, Dave Gearhart. What are some other ways that you did, or even now still spark your creativity to get out of that B2B formula, uh, playbook rut? And my, my two go-tos is completely more related to my interests is one is sports and what is video games. So I like on the it. Sports, so on the sports side, I watch a lot of, um, football, American football. So, um, and then, and then on the video game side, you know, I have a list of, of games that I, you know, I play and whatnot, but if you think about what the, those two industries need to do, like, they need to be at the cutting edge because they need people to consume content every week. Every, like it's nonstop. Right. But I see them like, that's the same thing we do. We want people to consume our content nonstop. They do it in a way that's, they have to be engaging, right? They need people to continue watching. They need people to engage. They have all these different programs uh, on the video game side. It's, you need to pre-market even way before they people like buy the game because you don't know what the reviews are going to be. And you know, you want a lot of pre-orders and so on. So they have to showcase their product in crazy different ways. And so, so here's an example um, in home building. So we did a, so there's a game I used to play. I don't play it anymore. It's called destiny and they, you know, they have seasons and there was a really neat, I call it a, like, it's sort of like a mini doc where they like had a, a preview kind of, but it wasn't a, like, you know, your normal video game trailer. It was like, they had interviews with their production team. They had interviews with the designers, the writers, and all of them were so excited about this new season. Then they interpersed, interspersed that with um, clips of the game of, of what's mm. coming up. I took that concept, put it to home building. So like we were opening a brand new, you know, lot or show home or whatever it was. And we interviewed people, all of them excited about this new thing interspersed cool. with the new, right? So I'm like, that's the inspiration. You just need to think about like, how can I apply this to our marketing in the way that people connect? I connected with the video game. You should, the connection that we had with this campaign was amazing because people were starting to relate to it and we added people who were planning to buy too. So those, <clears throat> that's just one way to, to, to look at different things and say, Hey, you know what, let's apply this. Let's, let's, let's try it out. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite ways to do this is one the, I mean, the sports industry is really good at this. Um, when I'm scrolling TikTok you can see these massive brands, um, the NFL, the MLB, individual sports teams, they're interacting in the comments in a fun, engaging way. And they're building this connection with their audience that I think is just incredible. So for example, it could be this 12 year old out throwing a football, does this really cool catch, puts it on TikTok and the NFL will go in and be like, hey, see you in 10 years. And it blows up the post and the kids like freaking out. And it's just this really cool connection. Right. And then there was this one I saw. Um, this was funny. This girl is like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a designer. Like I do logos. I'll design like a logo for 
whoever, like put it in the comments. And she does like a terrible job on purpose, just like botches these logos. And the NFL was like, hey, can you make us a logo? And she's like, yeah, did a terrible like job. It probably did it in paint (laughs) on her computer, right? Uh, On purpose. And the NFL, if you look now, probably is still up on either Instagram, their TikTok, every single one of their accounts is actually that crappy logo. They changed it. <laughs> and it's just like things like that, that I'm just like, you yeah. know, what? that's so cool. Like drawing outside the lines and not following this marketing playbook that this is how we have to be. And just interacting and being a real company, I think is what is going to push companies to the next level. And, you know, it's interesting. Cause like, I always hear the, the, the backlash on that, the counter on that be like, well, that's not our audience. And I was like, mm-hmm. so you, you're telling me, our audience goes to work, consumes just that content, goes home, does nothing else. They are not mm-hmm. real human, real people with real emotions, real desires, real wants. They're just automatons that, you know, that's what we're going to consume. So you're not, you're telling me like, you know, in the United States, they don't watch football. They don't watch baseball. They don't watch hockey. They don't watch any of the sports. They don't play video games. They don't do any of the stuff. But the only thing that'll resonate with them is gated content pieces on LinkedIn. <laughs> like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. And it's like, but I also think like the the B two C world is training people so much that th- there's a high expectation. But in B two B, it seems that like we're such at a low bar that like yeah. oh we we need to protect our brand. We need to be and not that you don't, but like we need to you know our audience doesn't do this. They only consume it this way. You know, they're older, they're, they're more sophisticated. I don't know what that means. They're more complex, (laughs) like, like all these different reasons. And then I'm like, yeah, but then you've got like some 60 year old blowing it up on TikTok. I was Mm -hmm. like, that doesn't make, like, it doesn't resonate with me. And I think that that's why right now, all I do is when I scroll TikTok, I copy links and I just put them in one big folder. I'm like, this is all the cool stuff. That we I literally have been to. doing the same thing. Check. Just, I have a channel in Asana. <laughs> yeah. And just, there's so many of them. It's like, I want to do yeah. this. We can tailor this. And it's not about you dancing. You can, but there's so many cool things that you could try and apply. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to our creative team about this. I also think that our creative teams in these, in, in our businesses, whether it's agencies or now, the way that you know, short videos are, are really taking off the way that our creative teams um, operate and function has to change as well, because it's designed to, you know, post Facebook ads, post YouTube ads that take a couple of weeks to get approved. And then once you approve them, they're in market for two to three months. Like you need to speed that up. We're talking like, mm-hmm. we need to create videos like, like yeah, every fast. week, right. Mm-hmm. You got to do it. And you got to take those videos down because if you're doing a trend that was a trend like three months ago, it makes you look kind of like, like, yeah, you're just kind of, <laughs> you're trying, right? but yeah, you're, try trying, to but you're not. So yeah. 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 Well, it makes sense because I, I see ads like the creative just needs to be refreshed. Um, whether it's an ad or even just what companies are putting out there and it gets kind of old. And I've found myself falling into that as well with some of our graphics, even some of like the ways that we put out our videos. I mean, if you look at Chris Walker as subtle as it is, he changes the color on the background of his videos every couple of weeks. And it's just like, it kind of pops out at you again. And I personally need to get better at that. I think a lot of other companies do as well, because it'll start to fatigue who's watching and who's consuming the content. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
and there is a little like I've noticed in, in, in B2B too, like in, in, you're starting to see a little bit of that. You can see a lot more people using because we're all on zoom, you know, it's easier to use mm-hmm. zoom video. Um, but even just something simple is like, I was talking, um, a couple of days ago about, again, the default was, Hey, let's create a PDF. Let's create a blog post. I was like, well, we could do that, but why don't we try audio? We're not talking about creating a podcast. Why don't you bundle that up, get a voice talent, record that piece, put it up. Like you can put it up on anchor. You can create a brand new podcast for free, put it Mm -hmm. on Spotify for free. Spotify is taking anything right now. And then either embed that link somewhere, or instead of having a gated piece, why don't you just embed a, a audio piece? Because audio is the one medium that, you know, people can go to the gym, work out, mm-hmm. walk their dog, go to work while consuming content, right? So why don't you, you, you leverage that? Or you don't necessarily need a high production. You can just, you know, take your phone, you know, comment on a product, intersperse it with, you know, somebody using the product and then that's your video and just kind of mash it together. Like the expectation of highly produced mm-hmm. and, and one of my favorite creators, um, Peter McKinnon had a cool little video about like, you know, between 2016 to 2019, the, the era of high cinematic, you know, slow-mo, high quality production, you know, it, it, I think it was kickstarted by Casey Neistat. That has now been kind of either superseded or combined with the shorter, authentic, raw, no need to like highly produce it type videos. So how can we get from that, like that creator mindset to this mindset? Not that B2B was ever there to begin with, but like, but now it's even easier because you don't need the high quality cameras. You don't need all that production. You don't need to understand editing all these tools are making editing so much easier in platform and Mm -hmm. iPhone just released a phone that like has so many features that really rival um, high end, you know, filmmaking cameras too. So Mm -hmm. there's really no more excuse to, you know, to up your game in terms of creativity. Yeah. And the thing I've seen in the B2C world, especially is they're okay with throwing up a, messy clip of something if they know it's going to get interaction and i think in the b2b world it's oh are you kidding we would never put that up it needs to be eyes dotted and t's crossed and i don't think that needs to be the case i think we need to be a little bit more raw and just hey it is what it is throw it out like for example someone um messaged me on linkedin i think it was yesterday who's been on the podcast they're like hey i'm starting a podcast and i said well here's my podcast in a box you record on zoom you throw an intro and an outro on GarageBand, which is free. And then you upload it to Anchor, which is also free. And then you're done. You have a podcast. Yeah, that's, it. that's it. Right? Yeah. You you can yeah. get a mic if you want, or you can start with AirPods. And if you, yeah. you can get a decent mic for a hundred bucks, like it's yeah. really not rocket science to get content out there. It's, it's the quality of the information that's important, not necessarily the quality of the production, which can come down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's just really interesting the era that we're 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 going into, right? The the whole short video TikTok era where like now <clears throat> little deviate from like our conversation, there is still a place for longer form information. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I never bought into, you know, people's attention span is 
you know, that of a goldfish eight seconds, you know, people's attention span are, they choose what they want a long form watch, right? People binge watch Netflix all the time. So don't tell me that's like, that's eight seconds, but I'm like, they're very selective now. There's too much stuff. So I always say, whenever we're creating content, you're not just competing with your competitors. You're competing with Netflix. You're competing with, with TikTok um, people. You're competing with every single thing that that person right now is consuming because it isn't just your industry. It's everything else that, that is bombarding someone. If they have too many options. If you don't do, if you don't catch whatever they're doing, if you're not providing that instant value, they're off. Because yeah. when you're watching TV, I'm on my phone at the same time and I'm on my laptop at the same time and I can consume three different pieces of content. So I'm not going to be paying attention to whatever, lest even like a PD, going back to a PDF. Are you kidding me? I'm not paying attention <laughs> to that. Like I can't even see it. It's like 12 font, no matter mm-hmm. how much time you actually put into it. Yeah. I have one last question for you. Um, if you, if you, could give one piece of advice as to here's how you can spark your creativity, especially gleaning information from the B2C world. What would you tell the people listening right now? I would say go to places where you're passionate about. Um, If you're passionate about, you know, dancing, writing, sports, whatever you're passionate about, find those industries and look up how is that industry Um, marketing or how is that industry being creative in itself and maybe how can you bring that into your marketing and that's always worked for me and maybe it's because of the industries that i that i like but that'll give you some some inspiration because i guarantee that some of the passions that you have other people will have it and how and it'll just be a lot different than what we in b2b you know traditionally pump out that's a great answer. Um, so at this point in the episode, we're going to spin things around here and to close us out, give you the microphone to become the podcast host. And if you have any questions for me, uh, we'll yeah. take a few minutes here and shoot them my way and I'll see what I can do. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you do a lot of work on the website space and, you know, in your opinion, for any B2B company right now, what are the five things that they should do to audit their website? Hmm. First one would 100% be page speed. Um, I think this is really overlooked when it comes to even B2C, but really the B2B world, people are, they don't have very long attention spans. I know we just talked about that when it comes to a website though. Like if you're not within the one to three second range, a lot of times they're going to leave. And I think that gets overlooked a lot. Um, the second thing I would look at is the backend security of your website. And this is mostly uh, WordPress dependent. Um, so I would encourage regular backups, core system updates, theme and plugin updates, and regular security scans. Because when those start to go down the drain, if plugins are outdated and you have a bunch of them on your website, then that's going to hinder the speed. So those are two like the, the technical, like nerdy side of things that I would look at. Um, now going to like the front end, uh, for number three, I would say like the interaction of your buyers on the page. And what I mean by this is what are they doing when you get to your website in live time? So you can use Hotjar or another recording software for this. So fly is back again. Um, and 
<laughs> I find stuff all the time that I'm like, oh, wow, they're, they're scrolling here, clicking here and trying. Oh, they tried to go here. Why would they do that? And then we go in and make an adjustment on our website once we find some some themes, because a lot of people will start to do the same thing and they'll they'll follow the same. It's like water down a creek bed. It'll start to go the same direction. So you can find issues with your website that you didn't know that were there. And it's might be something simple that you find someone is trying to click here and it just didn't work. Um, so that's my favorite way to kind of stay on top of. I'll, I'll pause you right there. I remember we did a um, a we were using Hotjar and mm -hmm. like I had our whole marketing team sitting down watching the <laughs> recordings and it was the funniest thing. Cause like there were some pages you could see that person was angry. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, <laughs> and they were clicking some weird thing and you're like, why would they be clicking that? But it's like, but that's the expectation. And yeah. then there'd be like, they click somewhere, click back, click somewhere click back and they'd get mad because they're not reaching what they want but it's mm -hmm. too complicated. So you see like a flurry of mad clicks and it was funny, but not funny at the same time. Yeah. Like that's what's happening in real mm -hmm. time on your website. So how do you go about fixing that? Right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You can get so much feedback just from seeing what people are doing. And I've said this, this is pretty well published uh, about what I say in this. It's, I say it all the time. People are there and you need to make it easy for them. It's, it needs to be a simple experience on the website. And that's one of the best ways that you can audit that side of things. Um, another one, I guess this would be number four is heat maps, which are kind of similar to like the live um, view of the website. And this is simply like a still image of your homepage and Hotjar does this as well. There's some other ones and it shows where people have been clicking. And this gives you insights as to what call the actions are resonating. It gives you insights as to maybe what people thought was a button that isn't. Um, it shows habits on the page, um, even like scroll depth. Some of the heat maps have those, which are really interesting. It just gives you the feedback of like what content is being consumed, what is interesting. Maybe if they're scrolling down and clicking on a button more than the one that's like in your header then maybe you need to, to pull it up. Like that's the kind of feedback that is really important for B2B companies to be looking at. Um, the last one I have here is you need to audit the story itself. So when your buyer comes to your website, are they going to say, well, what does Benevity do? Or what does one-click agency do? If that's the question in their mind, when they immediately land on your website, then you pretty much failed. You need to be able to clearly tell them what you do how you're going to make their life better and how to buy from you within a few seconds of them quickly scanning the page. Um, and that's probably where SaaS companies make the biggest, biggest mistake because they just put way too much content on, for example, the homepage and they think this is all important to tell our customers, here's all our features. And they don't lead with benefits. They don't tell the story and they don't even really simply tell what their software does when really that could get them a lot of demo requests right there, just knowing, hey, this is what we do and the problem we solve. Did and now going back to the, the conversation, like the the first question you had, and and what we were talking about, how you know the people, <clears throat> how they buy has has changed. Are you noticing that a lot of companies, you were saying that they put all this information because they think that people will read through, but if you think about it, most people like they've learned more about your company outside your website mm -hmm. than 
them actually being on your website. They've learned it from your social channels. They've learned it from other people. They've learned it from your ads that you've already sent out because by the time they're on your site, I wouldn't say it's too late, but they kind of have an idea of who you are, what you do. So why do you need to put all that technical stuff, especially on the homepage where you have to scroll Mm -hmm. all the way down? Like, are you finding that um, more and more? Yeah, that's something that I actually say quite a bit is in the B2B world, customers, they help themselves through the buying process. And a lot of times, if you are doing your marketing correctly, by the time they get to the website, they're 90% sold. Like they're ready to go. They're just simply looking for, is this a credible company to to work with and do business with? Um, Maybe they check out a few reviews, but chances are they're going to go somewhere else and then find those at third party. And then how do I actually buy? And they confirm like, is this who I thought it was? And if your message that you're portraying on your website and the story you're telling differs from what you've been doing in all your other marketing, then you're in trouble. So it all needs to be one cohesive story so that when someone does come and they've done their research and they're like ready to buy, they've been word of mouth, they've talked in Facebook groups, they're ready then you need to make it extremely easy for them. Um, yeah, I, I do see that a lot. Cool. Um, and so my second question here is, you know, you podcast, I podcast. There's a lot of people who are starting a podcast. I think we know a lot of people who are thinking about starting a podcast. So this space eventually will get saturated. Maybe a couple of years from now, maybe five years, whatever that is. So where do you see that evolution? Maybe not like a channel, but where do you see like the platform, the podcasting platform evolve to next? I think there are a couple of different areas. Um, so when, when the podcasting space becomes extremely saturated, because it will, I think that fresh content will be what wins. Um, and I see companies executing this well. It flies back right there on the mic. Probably heard it. Companies that execute this well are ones that have fresh content all the time. So that means a podcast could turn into a daily show. I mean, if someone, if a company is putting out a podcast a week and then your competitor is out there doing one a day, what show is going to have the fresh content and what are you going to go listen to? It's going to be the one that has the show a day, right? So with that being said, I think that that's going to play a huge factor in like the future of podcasting. And then on top of that, I think a big move that Spotify made is they are doing, I think it's called green rooms. And I know that there was this flare of a spark flash in the pan of clubhouse, but I do think like the live interaction in a podcast is going to be pretty huge. And I think that that's why Spotify kind of shifted that way. And I just don't think Clubhouse was quite there yet. But I think in the future, some sort of hybrid of like a live podcast, almost like a radio show will be where um, it goes like you'll have people call in, you can have people there in the audience, whatever it may be. I think that that is probably the direction and like the next um, phase, however far down the road it is of podcasting. Very cool. Very cool. And you know, I'm kind of waiting for LinkedIn to kind of launch. I've always heard like they're, you know, prepping their own thing, but they have such a big network already. So if they can make it really easy for people to just, you know, you're on LinkedIn and and then like you can connect with, let's say you and me connect and then we just, our conversation, we turn it into a live conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that would be like really, really easy and and it makes everything pretty simple. Yeah. The more interaction that you can get from people that are listening and people in your audience, 
I think the better. And that's just one way that you can do it. That's why Chris Walker's uh, Q&A or AMA or whatever it is, it has really taken off is because people love the personal connection and the opportunity to be there and be creators in the content. Um, so it's super interesting. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why Clubhouse had a tough time is because people sometimes want to consume content on their own time. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's hard to, while well, we, we, we do this show between seven to 10, it's really difficult for me to like, Oh, I have to plan to be there at seven to 10, but I want to consume yeah. that content maybe later on. So I, I don't know how you would marry that, you know, trying to get people to consume it, but at the same time, have that live environment engagement. Mm-hmm. It would probably be like a rerun of a radio show. So yeah. let's say you do the radio show and then it automatically goes into your podcast. I'm sure that's what like the next move of Spotify is like once you're done in the green room, yeah. it uploads to your podcast. So I would imagine that's similar to how it would be. So people can, you know, on demand consume the content, yeah. but I don't know. I'm not Spotify, but that's kind of the, <laughs> the way that I see things going. <laughs> yeah. Well, Carl, I appreciate you being here on the show, man. This was this was pretty cool. A long time coming for sure. Um, been connected on LinkedIn probably over a year now, I would say. Um, been staying in touch. So I appreciate you being on the show. But before we go, um, why don't you tell us where we can find you a little bit like the elevator pitch of Benevity um, to close us out here? So Benevity is a corporate social responsibility platform. We provide, um, <clears throat> essentially we provide giving uh, volunteering, um, workplace giving, employee engagement software to organizations that want to um, pretty much help their employees do good in the world, right? So whether you want to volunteer, whether you want to to give, or you want to do something for your employees and, and help them, empower them, that's the software that that we provide. And and you know we we work with different levels, whether it's up to Nike all the way down to mid market, and you know we're starting to do a little bit more uh, on the, on the smaller mid-market space too. Um, yeah. And if, if you want to find me, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called next level video marketing. Awesome, man. Well, Carl, thanks again for joining the show. Um, it's been a good talk, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Sam.